the machine can function without you. So you're not really a cog even. Um, <laughs> you're less important than that. Seattle yeah it's hot as shit I'm Dang, sweating dude that's like uh I'm I'm working out in Fontana right now and it was like in the eh, low 90s today yeah that's unpleasant unpleasant to say the least all right are you all set to go I've got I've got everything set up I think yeah I'm all set um let me crank my input gain here a little bit testing testing yeah that's a better looking waveform I think okay cool yeah John, you wanted people to see some behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and they're getting it. In a live stream, you, you can't help but see uh, exactly how it unfolds, how and unprepared right. we are. How the, uh, how the sausage is made, as they say. Yeah. Anyway, we're here. We're, we're live streaming on Instagram. Hopefully, our, both of our internet connections will hold up, and uh, this will be smooth. If not, we're both recording on our computers as well, and we'll hopefully release this conversation as sort of a bonus podcast on one or both of our shows later so if it doesn't work out we'll have a backup plan and uh, but yeah we're here because this was kind of a last minute idea to celebrate five years of redefining records which seems kind of crazy i mean it it has only existed in sort of the modern version of itself for maybe like since the podcast started i would say um everything kind of changed so but technically, the website, redefiningrecords.com, launched five years ago today. So, how you doing, John? I'm doing well, man. It's a, it's a momentous occasion. I'm really excited. We'll go down in history. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Where should we start today? We've got some questions that people have submitted. We've got some questions that John and I have written for each other that we don't know. And hopefully, anybody watching, hello, people, you, you're all welcome to comment questions as we go. You want to you wanna get us started, John? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so the other thing, too, that we're doing, if you uh, commented on the post on the Redefining Records page, uh, you were automatically entered to win some merch. Uh, yes. So good on you for all of those who uh, commented there. Uh, if you're watching live, though, you can still... Uh, post your questions for us here in the chat uh that doesn't enter them though does it um it will it will actually oh it does okay so as long as we pay attention to the chat and you give me a second because what i've done is i've actually gone old school i have names in a hat i have names in the redefining records hat oh there you go i've written people's names on pieces of paper so I can I can update this in real time. So if you comment a question, uh, I'll write your name down on these little extra pieces of paper that I have, and I'll add you to the hat. So oh, good as long deal. as we pay attention, yeah, we pay attention. We'll catch those live questions and we'll add you, and you could maybe win a hat like this. That's right, a hat or a shirt or uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we say uh, the winner just gets to choose whatever they want from the from the merch store. I'm also wearing the shirt. So, oh, look at that. The cult covers. You you could be, you could be wearing this shirt. Oh, Ben, Ben asks, what is my shoe size? Not that kind of question. It's gotta be, (laughs) you know, it's gotta be a good question. Question, question, question for us. Uh, Questions. Question about the podcast or about music or about anything. Something that we're able to answer. Um, all right. But yeah, let's start with, uh, let's start with one that was submitted to us. Um, I thought this one was kind of fun, and I, I didn't write down uh, who said it, uh, but somebody commented and said, uh, you know, list your dream supergroup and then list your nightmare supergroup. Uh, do you have that person written down? Yes, that was Aaron Brotman. 
of the yeah, Haunts. There you go. He is a, a guitar extraordinaire for the Haunts. Not sure if he's live with us at the moment, but I'm sure he will hear about it later if he wins. But yeah, great question. And I'm prepared for it. Should I should I answer first then? Yeah, why don't you go for it? Okay. So my dream supergroup, I thought about this kind of piece by piece. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Dan Arbach on guitar. Uh, I'm going to go with Flea on bass. Uh, Ellie Roswell on vocals. She's the singer from a band called Wolf Alice, if you don't know. She's really incredible. And I kind of wanted a little female uh, vibe to the band because everyone else is, is a dude. Um, I want Flume to be doing synths in this band. He's going to be doing synth sounds. And I want Anderson Pack on the drums. Oh, wow. That's my super group. Yeah. That is quite the it's super very, group. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I picked people from different kind of genres uh, and, and just smushed them together. And I'd like to see what happens. Hi, Emily. Emily's, Emily's in the drawing. She, she submitted That's right. Yeah, hers is coming up. We can do do hers next, maybe. But uh, yeah, do you want to go over your uh, nightmare supergroup, or should I do my dream supergroup? I'll do okay. I'll go. I'll do my nightmare. So my nightmare. I just went with kind of go for it. A couple people who are well hated by everyone. Uh, R. Kelly is doing vocals. Marilyn Manson's playing the guitar. Oof. Uh, Luke Luke Bryan's just on stage. I kind of fucking hate like uh, pop country. So me too. Uh, you know, I might. Yeah, maybe some people don't, and I'm sorry if you're into that. I don't mean to offend, but it, he just like just that that whole thing, just not my style. So, and then uh, Corey Feldman. I don't know if you know Corey Feldman. He's a um, child actor from the Goonies. I forget which character he played. Yeah, I was gonna say I recognize that name, but not from music. Yeah, so he, as an adult, has released uh, some very interesting music uh, called. There's an album or two, I believe, called Angelic to the Core. Uh, you'll have to search this up, anybody who doesn't already know. Uh, it's some of the worst music that exists. And uh, I believe uh, either Consequence of Sound or Pitchfork wrote like a review on his just ridiculously bad album and you know gave it like zero stars. And it's interesting stuff. We actually reviewed it on redefining records in like year one of the website. So it kind of ties back to that, uh, bringing us full circle. You can look up angelic to the core, search that in our website and you'll find an interesting review of an interesting album that is very bad. And, uh, that's all I got. What is, what is your super group, John? <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know if I can top that, but my super group, um, I put a lot of thought into, and, and these are all, uh, pretty, uh, modern contemporary people i i know i'm known for my uh dad rock vibes uh but the dad rock bands already had all their super groups you know they already had their day in the sun so i figured what would be like a cool modern one so <clears throat> yeah lead guitar uh would be mr owain peterson uh he just goes by owain and he's this norwegian guy a guitar player bass keyboard um, he does it all really cool, kind of like uh, jazz fusion electronica, too. He gets really deep into like electronica stuff, but tremendous guitar player, um, bass player and keyboard player. Uh, truly incredible guy. Um, he can do it all. Um, uh, then I would have uh, I also picked a, a key player, too, like you had flume. So I picked uh, this duo here, uh, Domi Keys and J J.D. Beck. Uh, so Domi and Beck are a duo. Uh, I was introduced to them when they, uh, toured in support of Chon. If you guys know Chon on Sumerian records, oh, nice. they're fucking incredible. Um, Domi and JD Beck are a keyboard and bass, uh, duo, and you can find them on Ooh. Instagram or online or whatever. Um, if you guys caught the adult swim appearance of Ariana Grande with Thundercat, uh, the girl on keys and the dude on drums was, that was Domi and JD Beck. Um, Oh, sick. Yeah, they're unbelievably talented musicians. Um, if you look at their Instagram, you know, they do a cover of Coltrane's uh, Giant Steps, which if you're into uh, if you're into jazz, that's kind of notoriously like one of the hardest songs to play. And they play it 
they take it to even another level. Like it's unbelievable how good they are. Um, so they would get along with Owain really well, I think. Um, on base, I would have uh, Mr. Anthony Crawford. So Anthony Crawford played on the last two Chon records. So another Chon adjacent guy. Um, so he can totally keep up with the jazz metal fusion kind of thing. Um, but in the studio, he has also played with uh, Justin Timberlake, um, which Justin Timberlake oh, is canceled. That's fine. But uh, he's played with Justin Timberlake as well as Alan Holdsworth. So if you're, a again, a jazz fusion guy like me, Holdsworth is... He's godly. So um, Anthony Crawford, he knows how to dial it back and do really smooth, soulful stuff as well as incredibly complex, jazzy fusion stuff. Uh, and then bu- 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 that's it. That would be the band right there. Guitar, bass, keys and drums. Uh, no vocals because fuck vocals. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Who needs it? Uh, night- nightmare group. Nightmare group. So nightmare group. I decided to challenge myself. Um Instead of picking uh, musicians who are like really bad, I tried to pick uh, four really famous, really well-respected musicians who I think would clash really horribly with each other. So that's fun. That's good. On guitar and vocals, uh, Jack White of the White Stripes, the Dead Weather, Rock on Tours, Jack White. You, you, you Jack heard White. of him? Uh, I, I'm <laughs> so aware. Jack White on on guitar and vocals um also on guitar and vocals uh just to step on his toes <laughs> is uh mr john mayer of john mayer oh yeah and also dead and company so john mayer and jack white are incredibly talented uh guitar players and frontmen in their own right they both really love the blues so i think they would get that initial connection with each other and then their huge egos i yeah. think would step all over each other's toes so uh I think they would get just deep that. enough into that connection to maybe get a tour together. And then once they were on the road, they would decide they hated each other. So it would be a disaster. Um, that would be good. Yeah. Bass guitar. Uh, Mr. Jocko Pistorius. Um, incredible bass player. One of Not familiar. He's one of the best whoever did it. He was, uh, who did he play with? Like weather report. He also did a couple albums with Joni Mitchell. Oh, okay. um, he, he was famous for popularizing the electric fretless bass. So that whole eighties fretless bass sound that you started hearing in a lot of progressive music and even pop that was kind of started by Jocko Pistorius. Um, he comes from a really hardworking, heavy, like jazz background. He is like a, a jazz player through and through. He did rock stuff and fusion stuff, but he's the kind of guy famously unstable, big drug problem, uh, and a huge ego too. So the kind of guy who would look at Jack White and John Mayer and say, these guys are posers. Like I'm the real musician <laughs> in this band and probably clash yeah. with them. Um, and then on drums, I picked Mr. Uh, Keith Moon of the who, not because of any ego yeah. issues, but, uh, mainly for his tendency to use his, uh, crash symbol. Like it's a ride symbol. Uh, so he's just going to be hitting that the entire time. Uh, and again, stepping on everybody's toes. So, uh, I think that is the nightmare supergroup. That's really, that's a really thoughtful, uh, group. I, I appreciate the way you approach that. We'll keep it moving quickly. So we don't drag on forever with this thing. Uh, Brie was on the chat right away. So we should get to her question. Uh, she says, if you had to pick three songs to play on repeat for the rest of your life, what would they be? Why don't you start this one off, John? Quick answer. Uh, I would say Rick's New Haircut by Mac DeMarco. Right now, probably like The Hazard Profile by Soft Machine. That might be my selfie song tomorrow. And then uh, probably Dope Smoker by Sleep because it's 56 minutes long. So it's like a whole album. I thought about doing long songs too. I was like, I could pick all songs that are like an hour long, but, uh, those, that's good. I like that. Um, I ended up thinking about it, like not my favorite songs necessarily, but like three very different sounding songs. So I could keep that, uh, kind of variety in my listening. Well, the first one being all my friends by LCD sound system, a classic favorite of mine. Uh, so the first one is just like a song that I love more than anything. Uh, second choice was April 14th by Aphex Twin. Uh, it's just a really beautiful, quiet, subtle piano piece that he did that is the soundtrack in, in many movies, and people would probably recognize the tune if they heard it, if they don't know the name of it. 
And then uh, lastly, I decided to go with like a classical piece because that would just add some variety to the three songs that I have. So, so cello suite number one in G major by performed by Yo-Yo Ma uh, by Bach, of course. Oh, wow. What, uh, what was Emily's question again? Yeah, Emily's question, I have it written down. Oh, she wants us to talk about uh, guilty, guilty pleasures with music. Yeah, I'll start that off. I've, I've got a couple, and I'll move through them. The, my go-to has always been uh, the whole record, Songs About Jane by Maroon 5. Uh, although after talking to a number of really, really talented musicians, I don't think that's a guilty pleasure anymore. I think that's just a pleasure. So uh, my real guilty pleasures, uh, I would say Dancing Queen by ABBA. Um, I do not like ABBA. I don't like any of their music, but Dancing Queen may be the greatest song ever recorded. Um, and then my final one that's bound to piss some people off. I won't talk about it too much cause I'm trying to have someone on the pod to review it. But, uh, St. Anger by Metallica, that whole record, uh, fucking awesome record, man. Uh, inexcusable snare tone, absolutely terrible snare tone. Uh, but the actual songwriting and stuff, I was really impressed with the direction they took it. And I actually really liked that album. Nice. Those are great choices. I mean, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I think we've talked about this too. Just like listen to what you want to listen to. And if you like it, that's, that's cool. But uh, as like somebody who critiques music, I feel like there is some music that people expect me and you and people like us to not like uh, mainly like mainstream pop music. I think sometimes people don't think that I would like, but I actually really enjoy. I mean, we've talked about before, like Dua Lipa, I love um, I love Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus at times. I love some of uh, the new Harry Styles album last year. Uh, I, I enjoy me some good some good pop music. Um, so that's kind of guilty pleasure, I guess. And then I would just say sometimes I like to revisit uh, old middle school music like Green Day and uh, and like Rise Against. Those were bands that like made me want to play guitar. So I still will go back to that sometimes. That's there's no shame in that, dude. Quick anecdote for you: When I used to work at Enterprise, I was uh, I hopped into a car to move it, and uh, the customer had left the radio on. <clears throat> And it was just playing this song and I was kind of like grooving to it. I was like, this song is like kind of sick. So I shazammed <laughs> it real quick and it was, uh, it was Jonas brothers. So, uh, I had oh, a, like yeah. a genuinely positive reaction. I forget which song it was, but it kind of had this like dance hall feel to it. It was sick. I was like, That's all right, cool. fuck. Well, I, I was just rocking out to Jonas brothers. Fuck it. Whatever. So there you I go. I believe it. I believe <laughs> it. Uh, that's good. We'll do uh, Katie's question. Katie, my dear, dear girlfriend of many years, uh, ask a relevant question of, of what our favorite love songs were uh, inspired by our love. My top, my top choice is the song that we call our song, which is Aww. I Would Do Anything For You by Foster the People off the Torches album. Uh, so that's my number one. A couple others that I really like. There's so many because there's a gazillion love songs out there. Uh, like half of all songs are love songs, I'd say. But uh, I really like um, some some older ones. Whole Wide World by Reckless Eric. It's been covered by a lot of artists like Bahamas and stuff. Uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Oh, of course. And um, I really like a song called he- called Heaven by the Walkman. It's like an early 2000s uh, kind of anthem jam that I really love. What are your top love songs mr john what what songs tickle your heartstrings <laughs> i picked three um kind of from different styles uh the first one to me is uh such a uh like funny and sappy quintessential love song it's uh the song night moves by bob seeger um if you've ever listened to that bob seeger is kind of the ultimate dad rock uh you know yeah and night moves is just a classic song about uh like your first high school girlfriend um and it's a great song it actually has a really uh heartfelt and really touching little breakdown uh where he's now current day he's like an old man thinking about uh his old high school girlfriend it's kind of it's it's actually kind of a sweet song and i really like it um 
next one is actually an instrumental piece. Um, but it never fails to bring a tear to my eye. It is uh, it's Naima by John Coltrane. Uh, Naima was his wife at the time. Um, it's an instrumental piece, and it's off of the uh, nineteen what fifty eight album Giant Steps. Um, something interesting about Naima is uh, you know the the that whole album he's playing as fast as he possibly can and showcasing the most complicated chord changes known to man to the point where like his piano player can't even keep up with him. Like you can hear the band can almost yeah. not even play the songs. Uh, and then they break into this song Naima and it's very slow and it's, it's almost modal. Like he's, he's drawing kind of from what like miles was doing at the time with, uh, uh, so what, you know, kind of blue album. And it's this modal just droning single bass note and a very slow piano line. And, uh, Coltrane doesn't even take a solo on it. Um, his piano player takes the solo really beautiful. Like if I could choose one piano piece that I could know how to play, it would be the piano solo on Naima by John Coltrane. And it's just such a beautiful song and such a departure from the rest of the album. It's like you, it's, it's really heartfelt and you really feel, uh, this love and this emotion he has, uh, for his wife. So it's a beautiful song. Uh, the last one is a little bit different. It's uh, a song called Bonnier R Stomp by Led Zeppelin. Uh, it's off of their third album, which is it was panned by critics, but loved by fans uh, for being a little folksy. And it's an acoustic song uh, about a man and his dog. And I don't think you realize it's about his dog uh, until the end of the song, but it's a really kind of cute song about like man's best friend. So a little bit different kind of love, but uh, it, it's it's a fun one. That's great. I like the variety. I like the variety. This question was for you specifically from Jacob Espinoza. He wants to know what the worst kind of guitar solo is. Yeah, great question. And to me, the the worst type of guitar solo is one that does not serve the song. And uh the the example I'll give of this, just to keep it short, is um, go listen to go listen to like some Neil Young, like he has a song "Down by the River" or uh, "Cinnamon Girl." These are famous for being one note guitar solos. So "Cinnamon Girl," he literally just picks one note and just plays it. He's just playing one note for the whole solo, but it fucking rocks because it totally fits and it it, it serves the song. And like Neil Young, I think is one of the best guitar players who ever lived, but he's not virtuosic. Like if I sat down next to him, I could probably play more notes per minute than he could. Um, he's just one of those guitar players who knows how to say more with one note than I could in 10 notes, you know? So you don't have to be this incredible guitar player to say something really profound. Um, as long as you know how to do that, you know, he, he knows how to serve the song example of a terrible guitar solo by an incredible guitar player and an incredible band on an incredible song uh, is the Steely Dan song, Turn That Heartbeat Over Again. It's the final song on their first album. I actually love the song. Uh, the solo, uh, I think, is it might be Jeff Skunk Baxter uh, playing it. I mean, Steely Dan didn't work with bad musicians. He's an incredible guitar player. It was either him or Elliot Randall. Uh, I don't think it was a Danny Diaz solo. Anyways, incredible guitar players but when you hear the song it, it the solo feels so unnecessary and shoehorned into the song it, it it doesn't serve the song they should they should take it out uh the song would be better without the guitar solo so even though it's an incredible solo it doesn't serve the song so that's the worst kind of guitar solo that's good there you go that's good we actually just got two new questions from the chat too so good timing First, uh, if you can see Van Iris. Oh, what up, Van Iris? He wants to know if you could play with one drummer from any era to have uh, in the studio, to be in the studio with. What what drummer would you want to jam with? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. One drummer to jam with. I mean, I would say maybe somebody who's really good at improv. I would say like maybe Bonzo or uh, Keith Moon would be a fun one. Any of those guys from that era... Uh, who were down to do 20 minute long like rock jams or something like that would be fun. I, I feel like if I pick someone really good like Billy Cobham, 
I wouldn't be able to keep up. So maybe one of these guys who's just a straightforward rock drummer, but who knows how to jam and, and just improvise. I'd say maybe something like that. What, what about you, Schultz? I, I think I want to hear your answer. You know, gosh, I'm probably not the biggest appreciator of like, uh, kind of the ability to improvise and, and jam and, and sort of be creative with the drums since my, uh, my musical taste has always been more of a kind of simplistic, uh, beat in the background. You know, I love, you know, I love LCD sound system and, and that style of music where it's just a steady fucking beat, like a dance, uh, electronic house type beat. So I'm really a, a bad person to ask, but, uh, I guess I would go with um, just uh, John Bonham, and just there you just go. To watch him be him. Just to, I wouldn't even play. I would just watch him play. Just to meet him, right? So, yeah, just to yeah. meet him. Yeah, exactly. Just to meet him. Or basically, James Murphy's drum machine, right? Yeah, I mean James <laughs> Murphy himself usually uh, does the drums in his recordings. Pat Mahoney does it the live the live stuff for him. Uh, so I wouldn't mind meeting either of them, of course. But in the spirit of that question, I felt like uh, going more with like John Bonham would be fun. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we got another question from Danny Z. Uh, are we team in sync or are we team Backstreet Boys? I'm in sync personally. In sync, okay, well, for I, sure. Yeah, for sure. The, okay. The the thinking men know that it's the answer is in sync. I thought this was a really cool question from a uh, uh, Mr. Ricardo uh, Morton of uh, Rabbitfoot fame. Yes. He asked, uh, "What do we think the next uh, trend in like physical medium is going to be?" Uh, he, he brought up the example, like, do you think we're going to see like eight tracks or like, you know, what's, you know, obviously we've seen vinyl and and cassettes make a comeback. So like, what's the next thing? Really interesting question. I, I, I'll let you go first, Schultz. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, that it was a great question. Uh, probably too good of a question. Uh, it's always hard to predict, uh, the future in any sense. I mean, I, I, one thing we could talk about, of course, is the rise of this whole NFT thing. Um, obviously I don't know how much you've, uh, looked into it or heard about it, but the, I guess this NFT thing, essentially, uh, I will describe it as, uh, you know, a piece of digital data that is stored in a blockchain technology that is unique as one of a kind. So when you buy, an NFT, you're, you have the one NFT for that song or whatever. If it was a piece of music, it could be a song. So I think that's really interesting because it creates exclusivity and puts a lot of value on the music, which is cool, uh, like a high monetary value, which I think is missing right now. I think something else, something needs to happen similar to that where just the value of music needs to be higher. And you do get that with, with solid physical forms in vinyl and, and older forms like CDs and even A-tracks where you have to buy it, then it's automatically worth way more uh, because it exists. And, and that's kind of the huge problem right now is, is nobody's paying very much at all to listen to anything. We're paying a few bucks a month to listen to all music. And, and so artists aren't getting paid. And that's kind of an issue. So the Patreon model is interesting, but it only really works if you have a big following. You know, you got to have a loyal support system to make it work. If you're just starting, it's hard to make any money uh, with something like that. Um, so I think something kind of like NFTs could get popular if it becomes a little more clear on how to buy them and what they're worth and uh, how do you use them? I assume you don't really use NFTs. You just keep them as like a digital uh, memorabilia. But something similar to that, I think, could get popular because of because of the value it puts on the music. Yeah, that's 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 interesting because I I've seen a couple bands um, release NFTs. I I know Gorillas recently caught some flack for doing an NFT. Um, you know the. Yeah. Damon Albarn, he does this album, Plastic Beach, that's all about pollution. And then he does something blockchain related, which is famously terrible for the environment. So people were kind of yeah. oh. giving him shit for that. But uh, I, I see what you're saying. I Because my uh, 
you know, dystopian prediction for the future of digital music is that we're going to move away even from the album as a concept. I think what we're going to do is move more into the realm of like playlists. Um, I think what we'll see is more and more um, artists collaborating within the same playlist almost, if that makes sense. So instead of releasing a whole album, I'll release a single and then you'll release a single, but the fans will be able to see them in the exact same place song after song. Um, because I, I feel like most people like to put on a playlist and put it on shuffle and they like to know that they're going to have music of a certain style uh, all throughout that playlist and they don't give a shit who it's by. You know, they might find it because they like a certain band, uh, but then they're introduced to all these other bands, which is cool in terms of collaboration. It's a really cool collaborative yeah. idea and it's cool in terms of discovering music. Um, the downside then is it it cheapens the music further even because uh, you're sort of this replaceable uh, yeah. piece in a machine. I wouldn't even call it a cog because it can, the machine can function without you. So you're not really a cog even um, you're less important than that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so really cool for collaborative uh, standpoint, uh, but really terrible for the artists, I would say um, my idea though, about a physical medium, because that is digital. That's not physical. Uh, my idea for a physical medium uh, also kind of pushes the boundaries of it because it is digital music. But what I predict, I'll stake my claim here, is that we are going to see the return of the um, like shitty budget MP3 player. Uh, bear with me here. I Could you or could you not imagine um, 100 Gex releasing a SanDisk Sansa with some shitty... Uh, uh, what's it called? Like gas station headphones that has their entire discography on it, including their newest album. Right. And maybe yeah. you can't hear the album on, on Bandcamp or Spotify today, but if you buy the shitty little Sansa MP3 player with the shitty gas station headphones, uh, yeah. you get to hear it and you get their whole discography in there. The nice thing about that too, is then you can release it in a lossless format. So you know, if, if you're a freak and you use title, you don't have to worry about this. But, you know, if you listen on Spotify or whatever, it's fine for casual listening. But if you're an audiophile, uh, you know, that format is not very good. Um, so you could release lossless good like wave files. Excuse me, preloaded on a uh, shitty little Sansa type thing. And and uh, that tickles the uh, the itch for the um, like the nostalgia. Right. Like I didn't grow yeah. up with LPs. I didn't even really grow up with cassettes. I had some cassettes, but they were phasing out. I grew up with like CDs mostly and then little MP3 players, right? So how about the nostalgia of having your little MP3 player and your physical headphones? Like we're in an era now where plugging headphones into a device that is dedicated to music. It's not your phone. You can't look at Facebook on it. It's a device that is dedicated purely to music and you physically plug headphones into it. And you can carry it. It's a physical item in your hand. And you can, you know, if you buy the Zune, it looks a certain way. And the, the SanDisk one looks a certain way. The iPod looks like this. And it's so they're different and they're fun. You can put art on them. Uh, that to me is the next physical media. I like that take. I, I do really miss my iPod, my multiple iPods over the years for that reason that you kind of pointed out at the end that they were dedicated to music. Like, to have this like device that it, it became like sacred to you because you're like this is where all my music is and when it yeah. gets just uh, mashed together in the phone it kind of loses some magic because it's like oh yeah I could play music but I could also be wor- looking at work emails or fucking my homework assignment if you're a student and all that shit like you could be doing anything so it kind of takes away from the experience and so I really like yeah. that. It reminds me of like, also, I remember my sister had this when I was young. She had this like little MP3 type thing, kind of like what you're describing, but it, it had these little like micro chips uh, that had the songs on them. Like they were, I don't know, is that what you're talking about? Like she had one sort of like that where the chips were literally like half an inch square. No, I, that's that's not what I'm talking about, but I, I know what you mean. You pop it. It was like a little single. Yeah, it was a single. You popped it into this little box. It had like a single. It was a one song. I know what you're talking about. It was like keychain sized. Yeah, they had keychains on them. You put it on your keychain. Right. And the I, I know what you're talking about. 
that would actually be great. Imagine releasing a single in that format. I think that'd be a good move. Like, I don't know if, if our bands could pull that off, but, but somebody like 100 Gex or something doing that, the, the fucking Zoomers would go wild for that shit. Yeah, I think you're right. Would love that. You heard it here first, folks. I, I have Venmo and Cash App if you want to buy that <laughs> idea from me. Everything everything said on this program is protected by the uh, Redefining Records LLC. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Parker's question. So Parker asked, who is the uh, who is the one musician that if they killed somebody, you would still listen to their music? <laughs> Schultz, who is yours? Yeah, I mean, James Murphy uh, <laughs> is my top choice. But but I will say I thought it'd be really funny to say uh, Dave Grohl because he's just like the nicest guy ever. <laughs> uh it'd be really funny if he killed somebody that would be really funny yeah i i mean i was gonna say i like started racking my brain for who it would be and then i came to the obvious answer i would uh i would not stop listening to any musician that killed somebody i i listen to michael jackson so there you go realistically i wouldn't stop listening to them that the truth be told i i wish i could say that i had that kind of uh morals but i listened to Led Zeppelin and uh, Michael Jackson and and I mean, the who and you know, horrible people off the stage. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, so Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, so realistically, I, I would not stop listening to anybody. So there you go. OK, well, that's the um, I think that was the last question from the viewers. So now is a good time to do the raffle and then we'll keep going as long as we can with our questions. There are names in this hat, everybody. I, I wrote them all down on paper and I added the questions that were asked uh, during the chat. So everything is kosher here. Let's see who's it gonna be. Jacob Espinoza. Yes. All right, I'll have to hit him up. He's a he's a, a Twitter friend of mine. I don't know if he's in here right now, but I'll let him know he won. There we go. Yeah, we'll just we'll hit him up and we'll have him pick something else. Yeah, dude, so dope. I mean, the reason we're doing this thing is not just uh, you know because it's fun. It is fun, but the reason we're doing this, of course, is it is the anniversary of Redefining Records. Uh, Redefining Records turned five today so we figured it'd be fun to open up uh the floor to you guys for some questions and stuff um if you guys still want to drop questions in there we'll we'll answer them it's just the raffles over so whatever but um i wrote up some questions for schultzy about redefining records a little behind the scenes stuff and it sounds like he has some for me about my podcast um if you guys are tuning in and you know maybe you know schultzy and you know redefining records and the uh sounds for thought podcast I'm John. I do the sister podcast uh, here. It's called Bands, Beers and Buzzwords, where uh, basically the guests talk about their favorite album and we play a drinking game. I try to get them drunk uh, while they do it. It's super fun. So it's a new addition to the Redefining Records Colts. That's where that's why I'm here. He has a couple questions for me about that. I, I guess I'll start and ask you a question about uh, Redefining Records. The first question is, uh, how did you start redefining records? Yes, that's a fun story um, because it, yeah, sort of existed as nothing. Well, I guess similar to what it is now, but I'd say it's mostly just a podcast network now. Uh, but originally, it was actually even before five years ago, about freshman year of of college for us, which was 2015, 2014, um, 2015. For me, you're a year older than me. But um, yeah, I, I was there fall of 2013. Yeah. So fall of 2014 was my freshman year. Um, a few of my buddies from high school that were in a band with me in high school called Dead End Friends uh, just had a tradition going where we wanted to keep uh, exploring new music and like not give up on finding new stuff. So we we did like a book club, but for albums, we would listen. Everyone would choose, take turns choosing an album and like the three of us would listen to it throughout the week. And then like at the end of the week, we would talk about the album just like over like Facebook group chat or something like just, just typing. And, um, and then like later we did that for a while, like a year, but then, uh, later on, 
I just got interested in like web design and, and wanting to like build a website and just learn how to do that. So I was like, what can I do to, what can I make a website out of? Um, and so we, I just thought about doing it for that. I was like, I'll just make a website. We can, we can post what we write about these albums. So it started off as just like a weekly kind of collaborative album review. And uh, me, uh, Jake Marino and uh, Luke Colhane, uh, for anybody listening who knows them, uh, were the two other guys. And we did that for like at least a year or so. We were posting like a weekly review which you can still find on the website if you go to like rants and reviews and you just scroll uh, back to the beginning. You can kind of find some fun, random uh, critiques of albums back there. Um, And then, yeah, it just became a vehicle to do whatever I felt like doing uh, throughout the years. I mean, you would be familiar. There was a time where we, me and Aiden interviewed savage henry on your couch in the garage we made a little video out of it stuff like that and we didn't do we only did that like for like two one you know two or three people we did these like little video interviews um just for just for shits and gigs it was just like a vehicle to do fun music related content projects um and then yeah about a year and a half ago uh, i decided i wanted to use it to try making a podcast and the rest is history uh you know, started Town for Thought, that's evolved, and that was really probably one of the most fun things I've done, uh, and my questions to you will be related to podcasting, but um, podcast, the format as like a listener of other shows and as somebody who creates one, uh, I think the format has just kind of changed my life a little bit, not to be too dramatic, but uh, it changes the way, you know, I listen to music and I consume music and uh, the way I socialize and uh, and other shows that I watched, you know, have had huge impacts on me, you know, not necessarily even music related, but so podcasting is something I just became super passionate about. And then we had talked a few times and I just love your vibe and uh, knew you would be a great person to have on. You were, you were a great guest. So I was like, you'd be a great host. Um, so then we, you know, came up with the idea to, to, make your show based off your ideas and I just kind of helped you with it. But, uh, hopefully there's more in store. That's the backstory. I'll stop there for now. That's rad. Well, I, I want to do a, a quick segue into another question I have for you. Cause you kind of touched on it, but this question is, uh, what is the biggest perk of running redefining records? And by that, I, you know, you touched on some of the more, uh, noble and uh esoteric uh uh benefits of running this podcast and i don't mean that i mean you know something selfish like what is a perk of being andrew schultz yeah um well like not like redefining records is a pretty small website we don't have like i mean we've actually like got pretty good web traffic a lot of people find reviews that we have like from search and stuff but you know, and we've got a decent uh, following here on Instagram. Thank you, people who are watching. Uh, so it's a kind of a small outlet, but, you know, it looks really pretty legit. And, you know, me and other people have put a lot of work into the content and making it good uh, and all the designs really good. So uh, I think as like a media outlet, it looks bigger than it is, which has uh, over the years allowed me to get press passes to, to events such as music festivals. There you go. Uh, so that's probably like <laughs> the biggest perk. Like I went to desert days for free. Uh, one year I went to music tastes good in long beach. Uh, there's a festival in Santa Barbara that was called starry nights. Um, Aiden and Kevin Cho went to a festival in Canada and you know, there's, yeah. So like a bunch of festivals we got into as press and we did do press. We did work. Uh, so it wasn't like a scam or anything. We did the work, uh, but <laughs> kind of felt like a scam. Kind of felt like I was just getting a perk, uh, even though we deserved it. I think we, you know, we made content. That's, I, it, that's the exact kind of shit I was asking about right there, which I, I need to do that now because I'm part of Redefining Records now. All it takes is, uh, is an email, man. I'm going to have to do that. You can never underestimate the power of emailing uh, somebody and just just asking for something. 
that's like one of the biggest pieces of advice I'd give anybody who's like trying to make content or do anything on the internet. I'm like, if you've got somebody you want to like work with or, or go to some event and you want to do something, just like find the contact page, find the contact email and just send a good email and ask them, Hey, can I come do press for your festival? I'll make a podcast and I'll write an article and you get to go to stuff for free. That's rad, dude. That's, that's actually great advice. And it, it, uh, actually segues into another question if you want to do one more and it's, uh, yeah. What lessons have you learned after the five years of redefining records, uh, that you would want to tell your younger self five years ago when you were just first starting out? And maybe that's your answer. Yeah, that's a pretty good answer, honestly. Um, yeah, just asking for things and, um, it goes the same for like, even for like the podcast. Yeah. I would say just ask for things that you want because even for like the podcast, like I find, I think about like whether I should try to go get bigger guests, like more well-known established artists, um, to try to get as guests. And you, I know you think about this as well. And, um, you know, some of the people that I've had on the show, like I would not have thought would have wanted to do it. Uh, but I just asked at some point I was just like, Oh, I've been listening to this band like all year. Um, you know, bands like husbands or star parks, uh, were kind of some medium kind of big bands that I had been listening to the last year that I just sent a DM to on Instagram. I was like, do you want to do the show? And they were like, hell yeah. And I was like, Oh, sick. Uh, thanks. Like I didn't think you would want to, or I didn't know, but just ask, ask for things that you want. And, uh, a lot of people will say yes. That's my advice for a younger self. That's rad. I like that. Do you want the rest of your questions or do you want to jump into mine? Let's jump back uh, to you a little bit. Yeah. Let's kind of, uh, I've been talking a while, so I want, I want to hear from you. This is uh, something I kind of alluded to as as somebody who makes podcasts kind of changing the way I think about and consume music. Uh, How has it affected your kind of musical life? Has it, what effect has doing bands, beers and buzzwords had on your consumption of music? And maybe even if it's affected the music you're making as Delta Dagger. Um, I mean, I, I feel like in the past I was I was always uh, somewhat analytical uh, when I listen to music. I I really enjoy doing like a uh, like an active listen to to whatever I have on. So I I don't I don't think it's changed me in that sense. I think I think I've always kind of been like that. Um, <clears throat> I enjoy that. I love sinking my teeth into a piece of music and seeing what I can find and and taking something out of it. So. I think my consumption of music is about the same. Um, I think in terms of how it's affected my own music, um, I mean, it's certainly opened me up to different styles. I mean, um, you know, it's certainly made me listen to styles of music that I wouldn't have listened to before. Uh, Jordan Barclay, I don't know if he's still in the chat, but he he uh, brought a future record onto the program, which... I, I, before then I, I knew maybe one or two future songs that I had heard at parties or whatever, you know, an artist I basically did not know or care about. Uh, and then there I was listening to an hour and 15 minute long album of his and like analyzing it, you know, not just putting it on in the background, but actually taking notes on it. So that has been really cool is, is that analytical, uh, side of it and being introduced to some uh, new styles of music that I would not have listened to before and certainly would not have listened to uh, with the ear that I have. So that's been big. Um, in terms of the music I make, um, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of brought me back to like, uh, like I'd say after listening to say that Chili Peppers album, which I'm pretty familiar with from beforehand, bringing that back and and really listening to it and getting someone else's take on it kind of brought that back into the forefront of my mind. Um, 
So it's nice, to, even an album I do know, it's nice to talk about it with somebody else, get their take on it and hear things I never would have thought of. And it, it, it brings it back. It's, it's fresh again for me. Something that was, uh, you know, I thought I knew really well uh, is now fresh for me again, which is, is really cool. So that, that's what I've enjoyed about it. That's cool. Uh, quickly, there's a, uh, a fan submission question. Van Iris again. If BBB was sponsored by any beer of your choice, which are you choosing? Dude, it would have to be Corona because they do uh, they do good normal beers and they also do uh, some very good keto friendly drinks too. So uh, they are a a standby of mine for the past year or so. So definitely Corona. Another question. Uh, here's a fun one to kind of bounce off that. Who would be your dream guest for an episode of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords? Dream guest. Oh, man. Who would I want on here getting drunk with them? I don't know. See, I don't know whether to shoot for the stars or somebody like somewhat realistic. I I feel like uh, any of the old, uh, <clears throat> pretty much any of the old rockers or hair metal guys would be super fun to get drunk with just because they're such living legends. I feel like the guys from Polyphia would be an absolute hoot to have on here. Um, who else, man? That's funny. I haven't even like super uh, thought of that. Um, shit. I I mean, I'll take what I can get at this point, but, uh, I would say, yeah, any of the old rock and roll guys, uh, the hair metal guys, rock and roll guys would be a ton of fun. Uh, I think it'd be fun to talk to somebody too, almost, uh, like a Larry Carlton or somebody who's done a ton of session work, um, and worked with a ton of other musicians, um, or like a Steve Lukather or somebody just a, I'd want to talk to a guitar player, uh, who's worked with a ton of different musicians. Eric Johnson did a ton of session work. Um, uh, but it would also be fun to talk to a guy like, uh, like Dickie Betts, you know, just this, uh, you know, apparently he's kind of a scary old dude like just this southern bastard but uh you know i bet you he can he can knock him back and i bet you he has some insane stories and uh he's an incredible guitar player and uh composer so i would love to talk to somebody like dickie betts and just uh, get some of his wisdom too so for people who don't know uh, how much work goes into creating things uh, how long does it take you to finish recording and editing an episode of of the show um well recording i typically shoot for about an hour and a half um an hour and a half to two hours of raw audio and then i edit i'll usually edit 10 to 20 minutes out of that just from pauses bathroom breaks you know, sometimes the guest will trip up on a question and I'll just delete that question. It's even though we're getting drunk and ridiculous, I never want them to sound stupid, which is ironic, but uh, it's like, I want it to be drunk and fun. But if there's ever a point where they just don't have an answer for me, I'll just cut that out. Um, if I have two hours of audio, it'll take me five hours to edit that maybe five to six hours. Um, it depends how fast I'm working, but it's it, it, it's not that hard. I mean, it's time consuming going through all the audio. You have to re-listen to it. Um, that's time consuming. But the actual editing process, like the number of clicks I'm making is not that high. Um, like I said, I'll delete certain segments. Um but I, I try to keep it pretty hands off. The, the most intensive stuff is actually the fun stuff. So anytime I add the octave pitch down voice or effects, or I'll put in, you know, little sound effects or little silly, like in the episode I just did with Luke, um, on the white stripes, I did these little audio vignettes that I, that, that were just kind of fun. So any, like the, the time consuming shit like that, the, the heavy post-production stuff, it's not even that heavy and it's, it's the fun stuff. So it's like, I usually have fun with it. If I can, I'll usually grab a drink and get a little tipsy while I'm editing, just because it's like, you're reliving that conversation and it's like, oh fuck, I kind of want to drink along to this. It's like the perfect kind of, that's the intended effect though, right? So it's, sometimes it's kind of fun to drink, drink along with it. And then you're sitting there a little tipsy and you're like, oh, what if I 
add a little synth part behind this thing that he just said, and it'll sound all dramatic or whatever. You just come up with these silly ideas and it's, it's fun. It's like, I go for kind of the, you know, uh, delirious, like you're, you're driving at 2am and you have like the weird radio program on. And it's like, did I just hear that? Like, am I, am I going crazy? Like, what was that like thing? What, you know, what the hell? And I I go for that vibe because I think it's kind of fun. So I, I, it's, it's pretty fun. I agree. I have fun listening. It, genuinely uh is a show that makes me laugh and i obviously listen to every episode because i also write the show notes and i want to do a good job on that and um but i would listen even if i wasn't uh doing the show notes because it just genuinely it makes me laugh and oh yeah you perfectly capture that like late night like uh, reminds me of just being at like a sleepover with your friends as a kid in the middle of the night where you just start doing, doing and saying stupid shit. Uh, and <laughs> it's such a good vibe to kind of capture. Uh, so anybody who has not listened or, uh, tried drinking along is really fun too. We always, we always kind of say it. I don't know how many people actually do it cause it's kind of, it's not a, always convenient to do that. I'm sure. But it's well worth it. Yeah, I, I think that's really fun. Like I said, I, I find myself drinking while editing the thing and it, it perfectly matches the vibe because by the end of the episode, we're always way more drunk, obviously, than when we start. And it's this fun kind of progression. You can you can hear it go along. Yeah. Do you have any other questions for me? I um, I had some other ones, but you kind of covered them. Um, and you're talking, so yeah. Uh, what is the hardest part about running Redefining Records? Um, I, I'd say it's just time consuming. Um, kind of like what you said about editing the podcast. It's not hard, and it is fun, but it does take time. Uh, especially you know doing my own podcast and editing that, and um, and then just trying to come up with ways to kind of grow it and be creative and, and sort of just like, I'm always trying to think of just like new ways to sort of improve and, and work in new things. Like uh, John and I talked about privately recently, just we started doing a text, uh, a texting group where we send out the links via text to new episodes to anybody who wants to be on that list. So if the, any, either of the two people still on the stream or anybody listening to this later on a podcast uh, wants to be you mean the you mean the 200 people still on the stream yeah actually there's there's a couple of zeros after that too that i didn't notice uh <laughs> if you want to be texted links to new episodes uh we've got a bunch of people on the list already and and i know we've gotten some feedback that they enjoyed getting the episode sent to them and uh that was kind of fun idea and and we started doing the audio clips where we post them on instagram little clips from the show just to tease you into listening to the whole thing. Um, and I'd like to do more eventually, you know, I, I love podcasting. I'd love to eventually like expand the network, maybe bring in another show or two. I think we could do that successfully, uh, with the right people. And, um, eventually it'd be cool if we could create this support system for, for sharing music and have it be something sustainable as a business so that, you know, you and I and other creators who create content that supports music um, can commit to that full time or something in the future. You know, I'd love the opportunity to be able to, like, focus on it and, and do work that helps bands get noticed or helps regular listeners explore new music in their lives. Um, so, you know, I'm looking into and actively working on ways to try to get sponsorships or, or some way to, you know, we're selling merch now, which is not much. And eventually we'll probably do a Patreon, uh, if there's enough interest from people, uh, in something like that, we could start developing some more, uh, kind of exclusive content for that. We, we have a bunch of ideas for that. Of course, John does too, um, so there's a lot of ideas floating around and, and uh, I have big visions of what it could be, of what it, what it could be, you know, down the road in 10 years, we could have a music festival. We could have our own studio where we help musicians record, you know, we could have a record store. 
we could have, you know, live performances, do KEXP audio tree type videos, you know. And and that's what I've always wanted it to be, and it ties back to the origin story of kind of just using it as something to uh, experiment with with music related content. And I'd like to do everything. Is is my psychosis? Is I I have the desire to just do a bit of everything, and and I'm hoping that slowly I could build this into something that could let me me and you and other creators and other musicians and bands. Uh, make cool stuff and and put it out there and hopefully somehow get paid for it uh, so that we could um, you know commit to it and and do it full time I forgot what the question was it it turned into a rant no that's that's perfect in fact you answered my final question too which was what does the future of redefining records look like so I, I think you answered that perfectly well, that's all I got Nice, dude. That's all I got. Thank you, uh, Van Iris. I appreciate you sticking yes. in. Yes. Uh, and everyone who's, who's Van Iris, the boy. Uh, at some point in the stream, uh, much appreciated. Everyone who submitted questions and and participated in the raffle. Congratulations to Jacob Espinoza. We'll work on getting him his free merch, and you know. We could easily give out more free merch again, you know? It's not hard to do, so maybe we can uh, find other ways to do that more often. Because it's free advertising for us if you wear our shirts, and that's just a win for us. So can't be upset about giving away uh, free stuff. Um, Do you have... Well, let's end with this. Let's end with this. What do you see as the future of bands, beers, and buzzwords, where would you like that show to go? And you could add on how does redefining records facilitate it and, and grow alongside it. And, and what would you see as the future of redefining records along with your show growing? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the easy answer is, uh, more guests, bigger guests, more albums. I've been experimenting with some different formats lately. I'd love to keep doing that. And, you know, maybe I stumble upon something that I like to do, you know, more uh, kind of one-off podcasts of different formats or, uh, you know, maybe one of these formats I really like and I turn it into another little mini segment to include in there. Uh, I want to do more little chopped and screwed sound effects and uh little audio vignettes i want to take that further i love that vibe and i think it's something uh unique to my podcast um bigger drunker ballsier louder uh you know just just more of everything and and the way it ties in with redefining records i mean since day 1 i've i've uh sort of uh followed in your footsteps uh Schultzy, with your uh with your podcast sounds for thought you've kind of uh blazed the trail for me and i get to uh i get to follow along so that's uh, been hugely helpful um i think you mentioned like when we were first looking looking at the metrics you said yeah your podcast is doing slightly better than mine was at the same point in time, which I think makes perfect sense because you've already been there. Like you, you blazed that trail. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's hugely helpful uh, to have you doing that and showing me what works and what doesn't. And, uh, you know, having you to guide me, it's, it's, uh, so I think as redefining records grows, bands, beers, and buzzwords will grow. And of course, as I grow, you will grow too. It's, it's just a purely symbiotic relationship here. I don't, uh, you know, I, I foresee it as, or I, excuse me, I see it as all uh, part of the same ecosystem, you know? So I think as I think we'll each grow and the, uh, the tide will rise all ships, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to experiment with new formats, um, get new styles of music, new guests, bigger names, of course, but I also don't want to lose the, uh, just the fun ones I do with my friends and stuff. I mean, those are some of the best ones, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that, that to me is the, is the future of my podcast, uh, you know, bigger, bolder, 
more silly shit, more of the stuff you love and less of the stuff that you don't. Well, I think we covered everything we wanted to. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Again, thank you to everyone who listened, who tuned in at any point and submitted a question. If you want to support further, you know, just listen to the two podcasts. Subscribe to the two shows if you haven't already. Sound for Thought and Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords on Spotify, Apple Podcast. You know, there's other places apparently that people mention where you can listen to podcasts as well. They don't need to be named, but they exist. Unless they're going to sponsor us, then we will gladly name you. Yeah. Yes, what he (laughs) said, what he said. Uh, Anyway, uh, John... Always a pleasure talking to you, and I am very appreciative to have you involved and be doing this weird thing together. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it, if, if yeah. nothing else, it just gives us a fun excuse to talk about music for like an hour a week, and that's awesome. That's right, man. That's That was the driving idea behind my thing is musicians love getting drunk and ranting about music, and I, you and I are included in that, so... Very much so. Alrighty. Well, that's that is all I got. All right. To everybody who tuned in, thank you so much. Check out redefiningrecords.com. Follow us both on Instagram. Follow the podcasts. You know the drill. This has been a Redefining Records production. production, production.